0: this Pentecost Sunday is different than any that's ever been before, uh, even since the time of Christ. Amazing. The other thing that's interesting about it, this is May 24th, and on the uh, Gregorian cal- uh, calendar, or the, um, the calendar from back in that time, not the Jewish calendar, but actually Pentecost Sunday would have fallen on May 24th, back the original, Pentecost Sunday, so this is very, very special, and there's some very important things that the Lord, I believe, wants to speak to us, and we need to hear today, and I want you to hear with your spirit, so let's pray today, and I want you to put your hand on your heart, and uh, let's just pray, Father, touch us today, and give us ears, spiritual ears, to hear what you are saying to us today, your word says in Revelation seven times, he that hath an ear let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. We are the church today. Lord, let us hear your word. And uh, Lord, let us receive it. And Lord, give us faith to accept it and do it right now so that we wouldn't be just hearers of the word, but we would be doers of the word also. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Um, what's so special about Pentecost Sunday? I gave you a couple of things, I shared a couple of things with you, but um, you know, we're living in unprecedented times. Since the latter part of 2014, in September 2014, through it'll be through September 2015, some interesting things have been happening. The Blood Moon Tetra has uh, gone on, and uh, it's, uh, and not only is it occurring, but it's actually occurring on feast days, feast of the Lord. You know, a lot of times we say the Jewish feasts or Jewish holidays. It's really not that. and It's correctly pronounced feast of the Lord. And so uh, sometimes they say, well, those are Jewish feasts. We don't have to think anything about them. But, you know, as we look at it, God set the stars and the sun and and the moon into place, and he created seasons, and uh, that it would be a to us, and they're Feasts of the Lord, and it's something that I think that we're being more aware of, especially as we've entered into this particular type of season. And these Feast Days of the Lord, uh, it's not only is it uh, the the four blood moons that are happening throughout this time, uh, on the Feast Days of the Lord, that's pretty unique. If you line up the different days, I saw uh, a list of years that have had the four-moon tetras for, for the last 2,000 years. They lined it those years up, and it was like um, 10 times throughout uh, the last 2,000 years. And then they lined up the Shemitah years, which is a Sabbath year, it's like every seven years. The seventh year is a Sabbath year unto the Lord, or they call it a Shemitah, uh, is, is what it's referred to. And they listed those on one side, and there was like nine of those, or 10 and nine of the other. But of all those years, none of them coincided. There was, there was not a, the same year on each list except for 2014-2015, this, this year. For 2,000 years, this has never occurred, 2,000 years, this event that's taking place. And today, for the Pentecost Sunday to fall, it's, um, it hasn't happened in over 2,000 years. We're experiencing something today that is very unique. Like I said, it's unprecedented, and I don't think we really feel the gravity of it. I had been thinking about it, if I would, if I was at the point that I am today, last week, we would have, but the Lord knows. He, he, we needed to talk about how to have hearing ears last week, and we needed that to know what to hear today. But people, this is very, very serious. It's a very serious time. Uh, Yesterday we was talking to different ones. I said, you know, I I really don't know exactly what to do tomorrow. uh, I've got several messages that I could preach and several things to talk about as far as Pentecost Sunday and the Holy Spirit and the person and the work of the Holy Spirit, various things, but the gravity and the uh, solemnness of what we're experiencing today is just amazing. And I don't expect you just to catch that right off the bat. I've been spending, I've spent hours and hours and hours this entire week just in the Word and researching and looking and I just, each time just shake my head and come back and say, whoa, whoa, what's going on? What's going on, Lord? Something is happening. Um, So today I want us to take a look And first of all, we need to take a look ahead just a little bit. What could this mean to our future? And so I've listed some things. What people are saying, what uh, Bible scholars are saying, people that really study end time events, what uh, scientists are saying, what's being said about this time that we're living in. And I know that the Bible, here's what God says, the Bible states that God created the sun, the moon and the stars and the signs, to mankind, or as to be signs to us, and so that gets our attention, and especially this year when they've fallen on these feasts of the Lord, it gets our attention. Uh, You know, I mean, how many of you had thought about blood moons so much, you know, before this season of the four blood moon tetras? Had you really thought about it that much? I mean, okay, we had an eclipse, or, you know, we might see one every once in a while, or whatever, but... And then to have a solar eclipse right in the middle of those had two blood moons and then a solar eclipse and then we had one on Passover this year and then there will be another one in September. Um, It just doesn't happen that often. And then for it to be, as I said, in the season of a Shemitah year, we're at the end of a seven year cycle yeah, on the Jewish calendar, and by the way, that's the calendar that God goes by, and the devil might try to hinder and get some distractions, but y'all bear with me. We, we just, we're anointed today to hear, amen, right? We just lay hands on our ear and say, no matter what the PA does, we still got, by the way, we still got a lot of work to do on our sound system because we're getting some speakers repaired that were damaged, so this is not the way it's going to be. You know, if you say, "Well, I don't know what we're going to do with that sound," well, we're going to do something with it. It's it's going to happen. We got some uh, acoustic panels are going to be put on the back. We, we, speakers will be actually changed around some different places, different speakers, and some stuff like that. So, just bear with us as we go through. And of course, those things take money too. So, you might consider that. But anyway, back to this message here. Um, one person has said, you know, because of the, the past history of important events happening during these special uh, special times, and and uh, since it's an also since it's a Shemitah year, and the, tri, the triads, or the tetras, uh, one thing that we would really need to, to do is we need to set aside some time personally and say, God, speak to me and tell me. What's going on? Uh, This period, this 2014, 2015 period of tetras, it's uh, extremely rare, as I mentioned. And um, one person said, uh, or many people are saying that this is a celestial signpost and that uh, some very important events, uh, or a very important event is about to occur from our Creator is what a lot of people are saying. They're looking, they're saying something's gonna happen. Uh, This is very important, something happened. And another quote uh, says this could mean that we are entering the end times and starting the tribulation in which the rise of the Antichrist happens. And a lot of people are saying some of the seals have already opened. I don't believe that because I believe that the seals will open after the rapture. But if the seals are that close to being opened, then that means that the rapture is even closer. We might not finish the service today. We could rapture could occur, occur you know people are talking about Amen. Hey man get rapture ready you need to be rapture ready um, people are talking about you know asteroids and various things and things that could occur that would fall under the sixth seal well I'm just telling you if those things are that close that's during the seven year tribulation that the rapture happens before that so you know, we could be very, very close, very, very close. Another person said um, uh, that it means that, you know, it's the return of Christ, and it could be, you know, it could very well be that, you know, he's, he's ready to come to get his people catch away before these things come about, come to pass. Uh, to support these, these uh, biblical sayings, you know, and uh, the ideas that, uh, that the Bible says that the Jews from around the world would return to their homeland, Israel, which uh, happened in 1948, Jesus said this generation will pass away you know until uh, these things happen Israel became a, a state a nation in 1948 you know so that generation of people from that from that time uh, you know, a lot of people look at it that, that they'll be here at this time of uh, the end time uh, others translate that as a race of people that this race of people will will still be here at the, the time of Christ which you know Isis and all of the Crisis that's going on through there. They want to wipe the, the Jewish race of people off the face of the earth. They want it to annihilate them. So, you know, those things are getting very close. And if it's a generational time point, well, we know that uh, that's that's pretty close. You know, that people that maybe would have been born in 1948 or whatever, when Jew, when Israel became a state, it would be a generation. So it could be close. Um, and then also it's it's. Uh, Prophesied that the end times will occur within one generation of the established of the Jewish state, is what I was just saying. Others will say it means uh, God's judgment on the nations of the earth. Um, you know, uh, since America is turning away from the teachings of the Bible, many Christian leaders are warning us that it's uh, likely to face God's judgment during this time. I heard on the news, I don't know if it was last night, I believe it was Oregon that, uh, you know, unanimously passed uh, uh, gay marriage and, and so we're just seeing that a lot of times a lot of states, even though they're going against, sometimes the people don't really vote against it, judges are just making those decisions and we're seeing that just, I mean, that's changing so rapidly, you know, uh, across America and some of the things that America's been doing just the last few years, they, they're turning away from biblical principles and since that's been happening, we've been seeing our economy. It was announced that the United States of America had been, since 1897 or 1867, something like that, had been the world leader uh, in economy, had been the, the number one leader, and it was announced a few months back that now we're not. China is number one, and we're number two. Militarily, we, we were number one. It's announced now Russia has more warheads than America has. And uh, you know, so they're announcing these things. These things are coming to light. Everything that you know, America. When we were strong, we were number one. We're falling back. When God will raise up, He will put down. When we were serving God, when America was putting God first, then God raised us up. But in our pride, if we thought that was us, then God just steps back. If we uh, refuse to follow His principles, then God lifts His hand. And begin to fall it happened to the nation of israel why do we think we'd be any different jesus told a parable about about grafting in he was talking about that the gentiles would be grafted into this branch and and he was talking about or basically the the, the gist of it is if god prunes back the the jewish nation what makes you think that he wouldn't prune us back you know and so uh, god is a just god and he his word is true and we follow his principles, he blesses. You turn away from his principles, he, he steps back. And says, if you think that you're so big and tough, then go ahead, try it on your own. Um, yeah, so why would it be any different to us if we can look at the past history of the Jewish nation and to see what God how they stepped into God's judgment? In fact, the seven year tribulation is the final week of the years of judgment that's poured out upon Israel. There's been 69 of those were fulfilled and then it said this one week is being held since the Messiah was cut off. Daniel 9, chapter 26 and 27, you can read that, that it was all fulfilled, but there's just one week of years, of seven years left, and it's being held in reserve. An interesting thing, we're about to start into a new seven year cycle. Will it fall on that particular cycle? I don't know, if it is, we could get ready for rapture. You know, are you right with God? How many times, you know, you heard somebody or a preacher say, are you right with God? Well, people, we need to take that very seriously. Are you right with God? Is your life right with God? say, well, I've got things I want to do before I go to heaven. Well, then fine. You can stay here and do them. (laughs) It says according to your faith, so be it. If that's what you want to do, you want to hang around and do it or try to do it in the midst of all that, then that's your, hey, God's not going to force anybody. He's looking for a bride that is loving and longing his appearing. Not someone that's reluctant. No, no, don't take me, don't take me. I still want to do this. You no, know, Fine, fine. Those that are watching, is what Paul said, watching and waiting and loving and longing his appearing. Um, current events seem, seem to be moving us to a, a new world conflict, which might be World War III is what some people are saying. And... Um, you know, if so, uh, will this usher in the prophesied battle of Armageddon? You know, people are talking about that and how things are aligning and various stuff like that. A lot of discussion going on. You've probably been hearing it. Uh, you know, time will tell. We'll see, I guess. Um, but I want to tell you this. I know one thing that um, it's, it's going to happen. Something's happening, and it's going to happen, and we need to be ready for it. You know, even if it's a little while off, we need to be ready for that rapture. We need to be right with him. We need to be loving and longing him, and not out of fear, but out of love. You know, we just need to fall in love with Jesus, afresh and anew. That He's first and foremost in our life. Um, but so we can, we, we've been seeing things happen, and we've been hearing things we had a special time the first of this year called Understanding the Time on Sunday evenings when we discussed some of these different things about the four blood moons and various things that's happening and prophetic things about the rise of ISIS and and the, the Muslim nations and the battles that's going on and how uh, you know Psalm 83 hasn't been fulfilled yet and all these things that are just right here at the edge, how uh, alignment around Israel and all these prophecies that... Are just right there on the verge of being filled fulfilled but but we haven't talked about this we haven't talked about this pentecost this day of pentecost and um you know we're still in the in the middle of an extremely rare season of these four blood moons that that i mentioned and uh, falling on these biblical holidays and that along with being on the the eve of All this happening, and and we're right here on the eve of the beginning of a new jubilee time of 50 years, because this is the end of a a 50-year cycle as well, and it's the end of a seven-year cycle. So it's beginning, getting ready to begin a new seven-year cycle, but also begin a new 50-year cycle that God recognizes. He calls the, you know, the seven-year cycle, at the end of that is the Sabbath year or the Shemitah, but he calls the 50-year cycle a jubilee. And, and so we're about to enter into that as well. All these things lining up right here, right at the threshold of all of them lining up, as well as the, the moon doing its thing, you know, and, and all this. It just has never happened before in 2,000 years, just the way that it's happening now. Um, so that makes this day different than any that we've ever lived in before. And if we really understood that, we really knew that, this place would be jam-packed today and we'd be falling on our face before God and probably wouldn't have time to talk and discuss it. We would just be worshiping the Lord. And this place would be shaken like it was on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell. And they were in one mind and one accord. They were serious. They were ready. And they understood that something was taking place and they were ready and there was a birthing. Pentecost, uh, you know, it's... Uh, Something that we really, I mean, even through the past years, it's okay, well, it's Pentecost Sunday. Yeah, well, praise God, we think about the Holy Spirit and what he's done. And, you know, again, it's different this time because it's in the Shemitah year or in that Sabbath year. And uh, just like the the seventh day of the week, the seventh day of the week is called holy, the seventh year of a seven-year cycle is called holy. And um, so it's all lining up. It's all lining up. And this Shemitah year is a Sabbath year of restoration. That's what they would do as a time of restoration. So I want you to think about that because this is not gloom and doom or it shouldn't be. It depends on what, where you are in your life or your walk with God because there's some good news behind this. Because what's hap- this is a, a year of restoration. It's a time where you would, that would set apart to be restored and that the land would be restored and that you would, uh, that we would be refreshed and, and restored and, and that people that labored you know, so intently that they had to have a time of rest and restoration. And so in the spiritual realm, really God's saying, this really is a year, this is a time of restoration. And so today really ought to be a day of restoration that God wants to restore some things. And I believe that before we finish, that there's going to be some restoration here. But it's a time of restoration, and the way that the, this is falling, and the way that it enters in, and the way that God designed Pentecost to be was it was a time of restoration, but also a time of financial uh, situations, and, and whether that they would enter into a time of financial blessing or financial crisis. Because depending upon how they, their attitude was to God, on that Shemitah year and on that Sabbath year and how they rested before the Lord and especially on the Pentecost, that 50 days, how their attitude was there and some of the things that they did there determined what they stepped into and if God blessed them financially or if he withheld his hand financially. So it has a lot to do with finances. You heard me say, before the first of this year that I believe that September the 13th, I think there's a season between September the 13th and September 28th that the world is going to see a financial collapse. Why? Because the world has an acknowledged and they're not acknowledging God and and his desire to bless or judge if, if it's not honored. Even the Jewish nation, I was reading the Jerusalem Post and they kind of look even at this Shemitah year, this Sabbath, Sabbath year, that, well, it applies to the farmers. and So they let their, the land rest and stuff. But it doesn't apply to the banking industry and to all the other industries and commerce. That's got to keep going. And so that, they haven't really yielded. So there's going to be a judgment. And when the Sukkot, the, the next blood moon falls, it's going to be seen... It'll be seen, uh, and it's going to be a sign of of God's uh, judgment that's coming, and it's going to come upon the financial industry because God changes things, and it can be better. But you say, well, so how's that going to affect us? Well, it can affect us, but yet God's also built in some provisions of where that he can cover us. You know, just even when, like Noah, when when the flood came, God had made provisions where Noah could be protected and had a little window in the ark, you know, that he could see out. He could at least see up god some windows for us, and we'll talk about those, how, how that it affects. But the bottom line is that this year is extra special because never again will, will all of these biblical signs align in our lifetime. And even as they project forward, you still don't see, as far as they can project, you don't see them lining up. You know, the discussion uh, uh, that people are having is, well, hmm, that's interesting. But others are saying, boy, this is strange. It's just really strange that it's, that it's occurring. So the decisions that you make today before we walk out of this place, on this Pentecost Sunday, could drastically affect your life and your finances as we take a step forward into what's coming. What happens in September? You say, well, Pastor, I think you're crazy. Well, well maybe I am. You know, I'm just telling you what how I feel and what my spirit's feeling and what I feel like I'm hearing from the Lord. And you say, well, September's going to come and nothing's going to happen. Great, praise God. Then I'll say, man, I was wrong. I missed it. But I want to warn you. I would rather warn. I want to be a watchman on the wall and I would rather warn you than not to and say, man, I wish I had said something. I wish I would have said something. I would rather be wrong and and say, I was wrong. I missed it than to stand up and say, I knew this was going to happen, I should have said something, how would you feel? And you, and you would say, you knew this was going to happen and you didn't say anything? Hmm. So take it for what it's worth. That's why, we need, that's why I'm asking you to pray. Because the words that I speak, you need to judge them and you need to judge them before the Lord. It could be just my words. I mean, I've prayed and prayed, I've sought the Lord, I've been on my face before God, I don't want to speak the wrong thing. I'm held accountable for what I stand up here and say. I understand that. I understand the gravity of that, that I have to answer to God for the words that I speak. So I pray that they're the right words. But you need to judge those, and you need to judge them, and you need to put them into context before the Lord and say, Is that right? Is that really right? That's your decision. That's your opportunity. That's your privilege to be able to do that. So let's take a look. We look forward just a little bit about what people are saying, their projections. Let's look back just a little bit. You know, what did God design uh, to, to take place on this uh, Shavuot? Uh, Shavuot is the, is the Hebrew for it. My Hebrew's got a little bit of oaky in Texas mixed in with it, and, uh, but uh, Shavuot is, is the Hebrew for this, and, or, and the Greek word is Pentecost. It's known as the Feast of Weeks. And in Deuteronomy chapter 16 is where you want to mark that and you want to turn there in your Bibles. And let's see what God says in Deuteronomy chapter 16 and verses 9 through 12, first of all, because of all of the feasts that are recognized, there's only three that God specifically has something to say about that that were to come to his house and do something specifically. And so Deuteronomy chapter 16 and verse 9. And I'm having a little hard time seeing this morning, but that's okay. I was seeing fine before I got up here to preach, but that's all right. Uh, we'll, we'll, we're gonna get through it, praise God, cause God's gonna give me eyes to see, right? So pray for me. Deuteronomy 16 in chapter, or chapter 16 verse nine. So he says, is everybody there? Cause I want you to see this. And then when we get our projectors in, which we're gonna get them, we're gonna have screens and we can also put that up there. So those are, that's gonna change too. Verse 9, Deuteronomy 16, count off seven weeks from the time you begin to put the sickle to uh, to the standing grain, then celebrate the feast of weeks to the Lord your God by giving a freewill offering in proportion to the blessings the Lord your God has given you, and rejoice before the Lord your God at the place he will choose as a dwelling for his name. You, your sons and daughters, your, your men servants, your maidservants, the Levites in your towns, and uh, the aliens, the fatherless, and the widows living among you. In other words, he's saying, you get everybody, everybody, everybody's included in this. In verse 12, he says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and follow carefully these decrees. He says, what I'm telling you, he says, remember, you used to be lost. You were slaves. You know, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was a slave to to sin. I was a slave to the kingdom of darkness. But the Bible says that he's redeemed me and set me free. And whom the Son sets free is free indeed. So I need to remember that without God, without him, without what Christ has done, I'd be lost. You know, but he set me free. And we need to remember that. So, here's four things that we need to look at to try to understand as we look back. You know, what is this Shavuot, this, this Pentecost? When did it start? And why is it so special? And then what do I need to do? First of all, what is it? Um, it's, first of all, the very, when, did, when did this thing start? Does anybody know? Anybody have an idea when Pentecost started? The, the first Pentecost? The first Shavuot? Huh? you're so smart. <laughs> it was, he said, when Moses gave the law. That's exactly when it happened. Remember they had the Passover, and they put, when they were in Egypt, they marked the doorposts and then they left. Fifty days later, Moses is on the mountain, and God gives the word, the Torah, and he comes down, and he gives that to the Jewish people, to the Israelites, and God speaks to them, and they're back up, and oh, they're, they're in fear. And out of fire and smoke, God speaks, and the nation of Israel is born, their birth. It's the birthing of the nation of Israel. Um, so that's when it started, after, it was 50 days after the first Passover. And it happened up on kind of on the mountain area, not way up because they couldn't all go up there. And then some of them went a little bit further with Moses. And so verse nine, it says, count off seven weeks from the time you begin of this harvest time. Uh, And and then that's when it's to happen. So it's seven weeks is 49 days. So then the next day, the beginning of that is 50. That's when that you have that, this festival, this Feast of Weeks. Why is it so so special? Um, Because it's one of the three feasts of the Lord that God gave specific instruction about what he expected to happen on that day. And again, these aren't Ju- just Jewish feasts, these are feasts of the Lord that he said, recognize these. I set signs, you know, in the sun, the moon, the stars, and I've given these as signs to man to know. And so these are some of the things that he expected. They're in Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 16. It says, three times a year all your men must appear before the Lord your God at the place he will choose, God God will choose, at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, that's the Passover, and then the Feast of Weeks, which is Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles, which is going to be in September. Those three are the ones that he mentions. He said, three times a year... We're to to appear, we must appear before the Lord at the place that he uh, calls his name, which for us would be here in the house of God. And so then he names those three. But of those three, the Feast of Weeks, Pentecost is one of those. And so then he says, choose, uh, or the place that he will choose. And then he says, at the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Weeks, and the Feast of Tabernacles, no man should appear before the Lord empty-handed might ought to underline that verse 17 each of you must bring a gift in proportion to the way the lord your god has blessed you what do what what did he say there's three times a year that he expects us to come before him and, and he said and he said don't come empty-handed but when you come come And bring a gift in proportion to the way the Lord God has blessed you. Has God blessed anybody in here? You feel like God's blessed you in the last year or so? Last week, month, year, whatever? Hmm. What he says there is we're to give a free will offering. Look in verse 10. Deuteronomy 16, verse 10. Then celebrate the Feast of Weeks. uh, Speaking specifically about... This Pentecost, this Shavuot. Then celebrate the Feast of Weeks to the Lord your God by a, giving a free will offering in proportion to the blessings the Lord your God has given you. A free will offering. So write that down someplace. Keep that in mind. Because we've got to figure out what that is. Because if we're supposed to do it, we need to know what it is that we're supposed to do, right? I mean, if, if it's pretty important to God then we might ought to know what it is so we do the right thing, right? So the very first thing on this as we go through what's so special about this, the first thing is that you're to give a free will offering. So we're to bring a free will offering. The second thing is that the giver should determine what he wanted to give. Each person determines what you're going to give in proportion to how God has blessed you. Doesn't matter about anybody else, because God said, well, give a tenth, everybody give a tenth. So you can go through, of course, that's different, but at least it's a tenth, okay? And then other times he would say, well, bring this or bring that. He would tell, say specifically, he'd tell specifically what to do, and everybody would do that. But here, he's saying, backing up, he said, now, I want you to bring this free will offering, and I want you to do it in proportion that you decide and you determine how much I've blessed you. Just gonna let you decide. Gonna let you determine that. So the, the second thing about this is, that what makes it so special is that the giver could determine what he wanted to give. And then it says, uh, or what, what blessing to give to the Lord. So what, what does he mean? You know, why not again, why not a 10th? You know, Why so vague? God leaves it up to the giver to decide his recognition of how God has blessed him he leaves it up to you okay parents have you ever you know done you do a lot of things for your kids right always doing something for the kids and you know sometimes they don't they just don't recognize most of the stuff but they might recognize you know when you do something big for them that's when they recognize it right so you don't know, say you could say okay kids i'll tell you what we're gonna do it's mother's day and so you bring a gift to mom you know based upon what you've what you appreciate what you've you know what you've recognized that she's done for you the last year so you just decide that and so you know someone go get something like real hurried up and goes out and gets something and brings it back you know and because they don't know they haven't been paying attention They don't have a clue somebody else says my mom, mom's doing everything and then even at the gift, I mean, it might not be much based upon the child maybe, but you know that what they did took time and took some thought, took some effort and they really put their heart into it. It, it. The gift represented their heart and recognition of what mom had done. So what God's saying here is, hey, now only three times a year you're gonna do this. When you come, This is going to be a free will offering. I'm not going to tell you what to bring. I'm not going to tell you what to do. You check. And you just do it based upon the proportion of how you think that I've blessed you this year. And we'll go from there. Mm. Hmm. Okay. Most of the time when we come before God, we're kind of gripping. God, why didn't you do such and such? And why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? Well, then that's, hey, God said, fine. You know, if, if I haven't done anything for you this, this year, then you don't have to bring me nothing. This is a free will offering. You don't have to do nothing. But if, it, if I have, then you determine that. Hmm. Look, Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 through 8. Paul says this, he says, remember this, okay, so, hello, listen, listen up, he's saying, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. How many many have heard that scripture before? How many of you? I think it might be on our offering envelopes. Because it says, you know what, you you decide. He says here, you know, each man should give uh, what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly. Not under compulsion, but God loves a cheerful giver. One that says, oh, all right. How many of you, when, you know, it says it's more blessed to give than receive. How many of you, know, it's like when you get a chance to do something for somebody that you really love and appreciate, you know, and then you see like that they like, wow, they like that. And it's, there's a joy in that, of giving that. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You know, and so God says, that, that's what I'm looking for. You know, sometimes kids will bring you something and sometimes the kids from children's church will bring me something and they, they drew, drew something and they'll draw jesus hanging on the cross or whatever they talked about you know and i look at it and i'm thinking you know now it's not a rembrandt but you look at it and you say you know what they, they had some thought there and they, they took some time to do that and not only did they take the time to do it but they did it for me and then they took the time to bring it to me especially to say pastor paul here's this picture i think wow that's cool that's neat you know god that's what god's looking for he's looking to see in your heart how much you appreciate him and how cheerful you are in a sense that that you're his child and that you that you know he's blessing you and and so he's that's what he's looking for you think he needs our money he don't need our money he needs our heart but see it represents something that's what he's saying here has anybody ever heard me teach on this before Johnny, how long have you been listening to me preach? 30 some years. Never before. Never before. The third thing about this is that it was associated with joy and celebration. This gift was different. Now, you know, at Passover, there's a solemnness there and everything, but this gift is different. It's um it's it, there in Verse 9, or actually verse 11 there, Deuteronomy 16, it says, And rejoice before the Lord your God at the place he will choose as a dwelling for his name. It says "Now you get this gift, you decide what you're going to do, and then you bring it to my house, and he says, and you do it um, and rejoice. He says, and rejoice before the Lord your God at the place that he will choose as a dwelling for his name. So the fourth thing is that it had to be made at the sanctuary to be acceptable. It had to come here. And listen to this gift. When they brought it, let's say you looked out through your sheep, and you looked out there, and he said, "Now, this, when you bring one for uh, Passover, what did you have to do? Bring the best, right? The best, the best. You know what he's saying here? You can get that cripple one if you want. It's okay, you, you choose anyone get that chicken you can bring a chicken you know fry it up you whatever just it's up to you you determine what you want to do how you want to do it that's your decision and but you bring it and bring it to my house and when you bring it we're not going to be solemn about this thing you get to eat it wait a minute a lot of times you remember they would bring it they'd put it on the altar there of sacrifice and the priest would do all this stuff with it and they'd burn it or whatever and it was all for God. They didn't get to partake of it. They said, you bring it to my house and then you can enjoy it at my house. What? What? That's different. He says, no, this is, this is a free will thing and it's something that I'm going to enjoy and you're going to enjoy it. What you talking about, God? It's different. It's supposed to be, that can't be spiritual. Because, I mean, if you, if you give, okay, well, we're going to be happy when we tithe. No. That's not what that, that, that didn't even refer to your tithe. Did you know that? You know, God loves a cheerful giver, but he'll receive from a grouch. A tithe <laughs> belongs to God. Whether you want to, whether you think about it, you're not, whether you're happy about it, you're not happy about it. He said, that belongs to me. Tithe belongs to God. But this offering, this is different. And he wants to say that when we come, you're going to be happy. I want you to be happy. You know, because you've decided what you're going to do, and you're going to be, you ought to be excited that you get to bring this to me, and then when we come, it's going to be something that we can participate, that everybody, that you get to participate in. Cool. I didn't think you got to tell God what to do with your gifts. You don't with your tithe. Tithe belongs to God. He does with what he wants. He says, bring your tithe into the storehouse that there would be provision in the storehouse. So the tithe comes in and it helps be provisioned to pay. You know, they had to buy the oil for the lamps and they had to fix the temple and they had to, you know, do all that stuff that they had to do. And it's like today we had, to pay, we had to pay electric bills and, and and you know, take care of all the stuff that you got to take care of. And the tithe takes care of all that stuff. And, but... But this is only, you know, three times a year you bring this type of offering to God, and it's a freewill offering. And he says, and, and you're gonna, re, we're gonna rejoice. We're gonna, we're gonna party on this. This is gonna be good. This is gonna be, this is gonna be something that we can all enjoy here. And so he says, uh, verse 11 says, bring it at the place that, he, that God chooses as a dwelling place for his name. Verse, and then verse 16, Uh, Three times a year he says you must uh, appear before the Lord your God at the place that he will choose. So we've got to bring it to the sanctuary for it to be accepted. And then the fifth thing, it was to be used in maintaining public worship and at times religious renewal. That's what it was used for, to maintain public worship and times of religious renewal. You can find that in Exodus 33. Some other things I can give you scriptures on it. But basically it was to be used in the temple for the building of the temple or whatever So that because everybody used the temple. It was, uh, you know, it was free will offering, which meant it was very precious to the Lord because it's a true indication of how our hearts or what the condition of our heart is. So it was used that everybody benefited from it. So in a way... It's like when we give to the Joash chest, that give that offering. Well, it goes in here. Well, now then, see, you're sitting here and you're enjoying 20 tons of air conditioning. Some people say, Yeah, I know that. I just thought y'all were anointed. They brought it down a little bit today. But again, we, we still got to adjust. We can adjust those vents. And so we're going to have to have some feedback. You tell us, you know, hey, it's, this spot's real cold. So then we can say, If you want it cold, sit in that little spot. If you want it warm, sit in that spot. We'll get it figured out you know, just the lights, a little different stuff, we'll dial it in, but see, we get, you enjoy that. So that's what he's talking about. He says, the offering that you bring on, on Pentecost is this, you determine what it is, but when you do it, it's going to rejoice because then it's going to be something that we all enjoy. Really? Huh, that's different. I never heard anybody tell me that. Right? I thought, oh, that's kind of cool. That might, that's different. Okay, so then the fourth question is, so well, what do I need to do? What do I need to do, Pastor? This is a look in. We took a look back. We took a look forward. And so uh, kind of look around a little bit, but we're going to look inward right now. What do I need to do? Well, let's look back at Deuteronomy 16. And then verse 16, the last part of it says, no man should appear before the Lord empty-handed. Uh-oh. Everybody look at your hand. It's empty now. OK. So it says, "So you get everybody men, women, children, your men-servants, your maidservants, the widows, the aliens, everybody that's everybody. And you bring them to the house, and you come, and when you come, you bring this free will offering, you bring it to my house, and we're going to do something. But when you come. main thing you need to remember is don't come in empty-handed. Now, what happened to all that smiling faces and all that good stuff we were talking about? It's getting quiet in this Presbyterian church this morning. (laughs) He says, uh, each of you must bring a gift in proportion to the way the Lord your God has blessed you. Now, we've already had some people walk out. Y'all probably didn't notice it. As soon as I started reading about giving, some people left. Now, they might have had to go to work at 11.25. And then, more. I don't know. But we've had some people leave. Maybe they're just not comfortable with talking about it. I'm not comfortable with talking about it. I was telling some people yesterday, I said, y'all need to pray for me because I don't feel comfortable, but yet this is the truth. How many would, how many, are you, how many say, pastor, you're preaching the truth? Does anybody feel like I'm trying to twist your arm today? How many of you know we already received tithes? What did I say? How many of you know we've already received the tithe? How many of you know that we hadn't really talked about offering until I'm talking about it right now? So I don't want you to be surprised in a minute. We're going to give you an opportunity to give. Oh no, I came empty-handed. I don't have a checkbook. I don't even own a checkbook anymore. All I got is a debit card. Oh my goodness, I I I, I pay online. What am I going to do? Don't get nervous. That's the main thing. <laughs> God said, come and rejoice. Okay, so don't get nervous. Don't worry about it. Just relax. We we'll Look at it. God knows. If anybody, he's going to blame anybody, he's going to blame me for not maybe being alert sooner to warn you sooner. So don't, you don't worry about it. If he's going to come back on anybody, It's going to come back on me. So what I need to do, there again, verse 16 16 see the last part of verse verse 16 of chapter 16 no man and women this means us too you too uh no man should appear before the lord empty-handed each of you must bring must bring a gift in proportion to the way the lord your god has blessed you in the new testament some people say well that's old testament stuff and we're not in the old testament we're new new covenant people and we're not there i'm not following that i'm not under the law well they weren't Law either is this a free thing, man? This is a this is a free will deal. Second Corinthians. So for the New Testament says in Second Corinthians chapter nine, and we're not talking about the tithe, because that's where a lot of people say tithing is not in the New Testament. You know, I see their argument about it, but also I also understand some other things that we won't get into that. But we're talking about offering this morning, and so everybody, even if they have a problem with the tithe, they say that. One of the things they say, well, offerings, we shouldn't even be limited to 10% because there should even be more than that. Well, that's true. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So, two things happened at Pentecost. When all this would happen down through the year... There was the anointing for the gifts of the Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit felt, so on the first, oh, and by the way, what's synonymous is, not only is it important, Pentecost important, because it was the birthing of the Jewish nation, but it's also the birthing of the church, because on the day of Pentecost, the church was born. You think this isn't important to God? You think this day isn't important to God? Especially the way that it's all lining up, and the history, and what's getting ready to come. And God's saying, I'm giving you an opportunity right here to do something. See, he says in Malachi, this can open up the the book, that that verse in Malachi. He says, return to me and I'll return to you. Now, if we return to the things that, and we're returning to some of the... The Feast of the Lord. We're returning to some of those things. We're kind of discovering some Jewish roots and saying, you know what? That, that is, that's what God does. That's his nature. That's his character. And we're, we're kind of returning to some of those. And he says, return to me and I'll return to you. And he says, well, how did we return to you? He says, through your tithes and your offerings. Or, and he said, you've robbed me. You know, a man rob God? He said, you try me in this. Try me in this and see if I will not open. And the King James says, the windows of heaven. There's that window. There's that window, Noah, you know we got, there's always a window in all your crises. God's, listen to me right now. And take it as a word of prophecy. God's giving a window to you and I today that when the flood comes, the window of heaven will be opened by what you decide today. that's heavy that's pretty heavy stuff now you know why i've been struggling to to bring it pretty heavy stuff but there's a flood coming there's judgment that's coming it's coming people noah said it's coming there's a flood coming god said i can protect you god said he will always take care of his people right now you say there you go, pastor trying to manipulate, trying to manipulate us to give. No, 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 no. Please don't take that like that. This is a free will deal. You make the decision. You make the choice. It's up on you. You live with the choice that you make. But I did not want to preach this message because I have a message that's right here. What does that say at the top of that? Preparing to hear God's voice. Okay. Preparing to hear God's voice that we're talking about. I, I many remember last week I said mini series. Don't want to preach this message. But I got a warning to give to you. In my knower, in my spirit, I feel that when when we hit September, which is the end of this season, and we start to get into the end of Tishri, the month of the Jewish month of Tishri into Elul, or Elul 29. And you go back through history, and you look, and you see where these the four blood moons have hit on that day, and you see calamity, disaster, and you can follow it right through. The most recent was 2001. 2008, on Elul 29, that was when we had the greatest financial collapse. You follow it right on through, it happens. Three or four months ago, I sent Charlie and Wade an email. I've been looking and following through. I said, man, this is this is crazy. I mean, it happens just like this. We don't recognize it as the same day because our calendar falls different. Because it, it could be September such and such or whatever on our calendar because it falls different. But on the Jewish calendar, it always happens on that day. And something's going to happen. It's just... Too many things and too many signs and too much stuff happening that God said, I'll put these things here as signs to men and to, to let you know and to warn you and so that you'll know. And I'm trying to tell you in advance. And so I know that, let's say, and put it in this perspective, that a flood's coming. So get in the ark. And if you want, we got we can't afford not to have a window of heaven open. And I believe that what we do here opens that. Floodgate, that window. How have we robbed you in tithes and in what? And we always take that as tithe. I've always, I mean, I've said tithes and offerings, tithes and offerings, tithes and offerings. But when I really preach it, it's we're I'm emphasizing tithes. But God says, "Oh no." Well, how does the offering thing fit in? Well, we get, we give a, over and above. And we can do that at any time, and God blesses that. He does. When he looks at it he says, I didn't even tell you to do that. And you don't even have to do that, but you do it. He blesses. But people, something is special about this one. That's not just the every run-of-the-mill run of offering. Are you listening to me? Do you, do you love me? Please hear this as a word from the Lord. He said, bring, bring this to me. Bring it into my house. And, and bring it. And don't come empty-handed. This Pentecost year leads us into a Pentecost of years. 50 years. Are we going to see that? I, I can't see that we're going to see it. But it starts. And those things, it's still it's set there. And it's, it's, it's what God does. It, you know, we might be taken out of here at, before this service is over. Praise God for that. But I believe that... This is a Moedim. That's the Hebrew word for um, an appointed time. And he said that he he has appointed times, a Moedim. And so I believe that this is one of those moedim, This is one of those appointed times. Deuteronomy 16 16. Again, three times he says to come before the Lord, not empty handed. And it reminded me, as I was looking at this, meditating on this and saying, okay, God, you know. And all of a sudden, that, that parable that Jesus told about the man that had the withered hand. You know, you know Jesus did 35 miracles in the, in the New Testament. T- turned water into wine. Fish. And, and he multiplied the fish and the bread. I mean, we're talking about, yeah, rock star, Jesus. You're the rock star, man. I mean, I'm talking about miracles, you know, raising the dead and all that. What's up with this withered hand thing? That ain't much. He went into the, it was on the Sabbath that he did it. It was the only one that's really recorded as being on the Sabbath. And he did it. And he, and when he did it, of course, all of the scribes and Pharisees were looking around because they were like, see if they could catch Jesus on something or what he was doing on the Sabbath. And so he told the guy, he said, Gabe, stand up. Come up here front of everybody i want everybody to see you he made the guy stand and that's embarrassing jesus don't be doing something like that just go over there and just pray for him let him sit there the man's got a withered hand a shriveled hand what does that mean hand speaks of power but in luke it says his right hand specifically the right hand and the right hand is a symbol of power in the right hand and he said his right hand was shriveled and Jesus, so he, everybody's watching, and so then he says, and he says, his hand became like the other. It's like so they're both shriveled. No, no, it made them both healed. But you can go sit down now. <laughs> Just want to make sure you're listening. Just want to make sure you're listening. It's like wait a minute, Jesus. <laughs> he healed this man's hand, and then he says, stretch it forth. Man, I need, I'm going to preach. On, I need to preach on this. I'll just throw this in as a little tease. But he said, stretch it forth. And he stretched forth his right hand, and it was healed. Stretch it forth. I think the church today, I think believers, I think we have withered hands. I think our hands are shriveled. Because we don't, one of the things, we don't follow the Lord. We barely tie. we struggle to give an offering you know i'm like charlie last week was totally amazing y'all did a fantastic job seven thousand dollars for our children's ministry that is awesome you know how pleased god is with that you didn't have to do that the thing is we got a little perk on it because we got to get something from the auction so you know sometimes what's in it for me you know kind of thing but and this is kind of like wait a minute you know I want you to do this, and I want you to bring it here. I think that, that the church has a withered hand. The, the sad thing is it's the right hand. Where's the power? Where's the power? But where's the power here? We'll go to Africa. Blind eyes healed. We laid hands on a woman that I guarantee you she was dead. As sure as I'm standing here. I think it was the year 2000, 2001. Laying there, they said, come pray for this woman. Sandy and I walk out there. Her eyes, there's no, the the eyeball was shriveled. No moisture in there. This lady's laying there. I'm telling you, flies flying around. It's a gross deal. She's laying there. And this woman is, as far as I am concerned, was dead. And I'm saying, oh, my goodness. And here is about 500 people standing around, watching. And I said, Lord Jesus, what do you want me to do? Turn around and say, too late. (laughs) It's too late. And God said to me, lay hands on this woman and believe. I knelt down, Okay. <laughs> oh. oh my goodness. And we prayed. And you know what? She didn't get up. I'm like, okay, all right, I know, Lord, I know your voice. It's not real strong here. Maybe that's me. And I'm going to be obedient. And these people could say I knew it and they'd be gone because they're very you know they watch from witchcraft and all the other stuff and see whose power is the greatest and I'm saying Lord I know this in, in me <laughs> in fact I'm really having a hard time right now believing this <laughs> so if it's up to my faith we're in trouble <laughs> we're in a lot of trouble God <laughs> I wish I could just, you know, I mean, there's been times when I mean and just say, you know, give a word of knowledge and just say, yeah, and I'm like, yeah, it's going to happen. It happens. And I'm like, yeah, you know, and I'm going, oh, my goodness. And I was just thinking, okay, all right, so God, I know you're speaking. So I'm kind of in my mind. I'm, you know, kind of psyching myself up saying, okay, so uh, let's see. And maybe she's going to go walking and leaping and praising God. That'll be awesome. And everybody's going to just shout, and this place is going to go crazy. And she didn't move. And so we prayed and go, okay, and we walked away. And as far as I knew, that was it. But the next day, we're driving up the mountain towards Lita Market. And we it's a winding road, goes to about 7,000 feet elevation, and we're about three-fourths of the way there. All of a sudden, we're in this little white rodeo jeep-type thing. I'm in the back, scrunched up, and all always slam on the brakes, doors open. Oh, I'm, I'm talking in Swahili or something, and jump out, go back, and there's this woman there. Are they, we getting directions, or what? Yeah, we don't know where we're going? come back and it's like, isn't that great? And I go, I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't understand a word you're saying. What's up? That's the woman. I'm like, what woman? What woman? Because I mean, by this time, there was hundreds of people who came to the clinic and we prayed for a lot of people. You know, I, I forgot about the dead one. <laughs> oh, yeah. That one's gone, nothing happened, we're out of here. That's the woman. But I didn't know that was the woman. I mean, it wasn't the woman, it was the woman. And I said, what? And I got out, and she had this smile on her face, and I'm like, whoa. And her eyes were like, you know, like eyes are supposed to be, you know. (laughs) And I'm going, and there are no flies around. I'm going, what? I said, what happened? And he said, you know, he says, well, you know, I said, prayed in the, and, uh, it's like you know. It was a little while after that she began to come to, and and so she got up, and and they told her what happened, and she's excited, and so she walked this from Machacos through there up this mountain, and she she's okay. I mean, you are climbing the, you're all right. Okay? Not only were you used to be dead, but now you you're doing all right, and she. Walked why is she? Why is she here? Because she heard that there's, that y'all were going to be there in this little town, and she had to come and tell those people what God did. Right. Now let me just tell you: when we got to lead a market and everything, you know, the choir sang doing all the African songs and this kind. Of, everybody's just kind of standing around back in the marketplace, mek whatever you know, and all the stuff. But when that woman said, "I was," dead. But now I'm alive, that's when we had church. So what I have to say is God, where's, our, where's the power? Lord, I know it's not your fault, where's the power? Have you asked that question? Boy, pastor must be sleeping there. You know, where's the power? Well, don't be looking to me. I'm the guy that was down here praying for the woman and didn't have enough faith. (laughs) If you're looking to me, you're looking to the wrong part. we got to be looking to him. He says, stretch out your hand. It was withered, but he says, and then it was healed. I believe God wants to restore. This is a year of restoration. This is a season of restoration. Listen to me. I believe God wants to restore the power to his church. We ought to be where people can't get in these doors because they want to come because not to see some person or hear some band or whatever, but they come because the power of God is here. On that day of Pentecost, people said, "What's going on up there? What's happening there?" And there was uh, fire once again from heaven came down, and then Peter Peter preached, and three thousand were saved. By the way, just a little addition to. Do you know how many people God killed on the first Pentecost? Because when Moses walked down and he presented the, law, the, the, the Torah to them and they, were, uh, they became a nation, and then he says, What is this you have done? And they made a golden calf because they said, We're tired of waiting on all the other stuff. We're going to do something on our own. And we got our own golden calves in our own life. We won't go there to preach that today. But so he said, he told them, and the the anger of the Lord came. And Moses said, and he told his men, he said, You go through here, he says, and you slaughter everybody that you can slaughter. Go kill everybody that you can kill. How would you like to hear that in church? And here they come. Look out for the elders, because they're coming through, and I mean, they're cutting and they're chopping men, women, boys, girls. And you know how many died that day? 3,000. First one, 3,000 died. The second, 3,000 got saved and brought in. And God's saying, I want to do a restoration. I want to heal the withered hand of the church. And he's saying, stretch forth your hand, people. Stretch forth your hand. He said, don't come before me empty-handed. You bring me something to show your gratitude that you love me. He said, I'm not going to tell you what to bring me because then you'll be doing it because I told you to do something. If you can't do it on your own, then you don't even bother doing it. It's what he says. If you don't love me enough to at least take the time to think about it, then don't do anything at all. I don't need your money. That's what God says. I don't need that. What I do need is I need a heart that's pure, that will seek me, that loves me and wants to please me, and wants my favor. The number 50 consists of two numbers, five, the number of grace extended to man, and the number 10, which is the the number of completion or perfectness in there. And you put them together, and 50 is a perfect number. And God says, I want to take the grace that I have given and extended through the church, and he says, I want to multiply it. I want to strengthen it. He wants to be seen in his church again.